When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Fumbled the bag, I still ain't got that disappointment to shake. So now I'm trying to double up on every dollar I make. Money don't buy you happiness, it sure don't take it away. I'm smiling hard as hell, every time I step in the bank. We can't be making reckless moves, cause there's so much at stake. When you got some shit to lose, your decisions gon' change Cause every action got a consequence Consider your ways Hardest thing to do in life Is elevate through your pain I can relate to feeling like Your life is stuck in the face Giving effort but results Just keep remaining the same Have some patience with yourself Shit ain't as bad as you claim I seen the homeless nigga smile While even standing in rain It's all about perspective I'm chilling, catching blessings And cryptocurrency been busting And I'm well invested She know that if she rock with me Then she gon' stay protected Cause even when this shit get hectic I ain't never stressing I'm legend I woke up feeling wealthy today My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face Cause this ain't a second, I can waste, I'm putting food on place Mill. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellard, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my brother, Jared. Jared, how you living, bro? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain. Finally in the building today with y'all boys, so it's lit, man. And then we got a super special guest on today. It's about to be real exciting. I accidentally did some homework on him, and hey, let me tell you, this dude's a heavy hitter. Pressure. Pressure. Y'all already know how we coming, man. Look, this is the BWR Podcast Atlanta edition. Like my brother Jerry just said, we got an amazing guest on today. Over there to my right, we got my brother, Mr. DeMarco Thomas. He is absolutely killing it in the logistics industry. Owner of the Metro Max Group out here doing anything it is to do with trucking and a master outsourcing. DeMarco, man, how are you living, King? Man, I'm blessed, man. And I appreciate the opportunity to be on this platform. Looking forward to killing it. Hey, we appreciate you for pulling up, my brother. Like you said, you took the time out of your busy Saturday to do this, and we grateful. So we're going to just get right into this thing, man. So DeMarco, man, for anybody that's unfamiliar with you, can you just give them a brief background on you? And like, how'd you get your start? Sure, sure, man. So DeMarco Thomas, CEO of the Metro Max Group. We started 2016 over the road trucking. My primary background is finance. So I worked a couple years in corporate finance, had a friend convince me to get a semi Almost lost our shirt the first couple of months, but we turned it around and built that into a 20-unit semi-truck company and decided to use some of like my corporate background mm-hmm. to 
maximize the net profits of the business. So I uh, decided to outsource. Mm. So I basically traveled to India. I built the service center in India to support my company and uh, decided to use that same service center to support others. And um, from there, man, you know, the Metro Mike group as a whole, we invest in the uh, over-the-road semi-trucks, last-mile delivery, which is box trucks and sprinter vans. And we do a lot of outsourcing, too, for other entrepreneurs, man. Um, over 100 employees now in Atlanta and uh, over 95 employees in India. Man, give my brother the claps, bro. <laughs> Come on, man. For real. Like, that's crazy. The fact that you just, you scaled it that large. From the point, like you said, beginning of where you almost lost your shirt in the first few months. So, like, can you tell us about that process? How did it go from we almost lost it all? Losing your shirt, man, it's like losing money. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how they say it in the corporate world. Like, you lose your shirt, you lost money. And so, for us, it was simpler. We came in with one plan and one strategy. You know, mm-hmm. anything you put on paper, you feel like it's going to work mm-hmm. when you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, okay, the numbers make sense, especially from a finance background. But it's not until you actually get out there, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the tires hit the pavement, especially mm-hmm. in trucking, you know what you're really dealing with. Mm-hmm. And for us, we figured out we bought the wrong equipment. You know, we didn't know how to negotiate loads correctly, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it just took us a little time to figure that out before we kind of turned it around. We went 60 grand negative, bro, and before we figured it out. But once we mm-hmm. figured it out, it's, it's, it was up. And I'm glad you brought that up because... Especially with the trucking industry. You know, the trucking industry is real hot right now. You got a lot of people out here talking about it. That's actually how we were introduced to you through our brother, Brandon. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the trucking industry, and he was mentioning to us, like, man, this brother DeMarco, like, he's on it. Mm-hmm. Like, he the truth with this. So, like, can you give some advice to people, like, some of the errors that you made whenever you first started out? Like, how can they avoid those getting into the trucking industry? Because... People always talk about the potential to make money. Like you said, it looked good on paper, but they don't talk about the potential losses. Exactly. So, yeah, shout out to Brandon, man. Brandon, the resume uh, guy. Great guy. You know, I think it starts with just education. You know, I I got in it from the standpoint that I thought I knew trucking just from watching a couple YouTube videos, having a good financial background, Mm -hmm. just building a business plan that was on paper. But I should have took more courses. I should have maybe did an internship or a co-op you know, with a trucking company to see how, like, the, the day-to-day operations was and then jump in it. Certain industries, you can read a book and you can start that business. Certain businesses or industries, you literally got to work in it to understand it before you start it. Mm. And I think trucking is one of those industries. Definitely. Definitely. I want people to understand something. So can you go a little bit further into, like, that when y'all were almost 60000 down? Like, it wasn't, because I'm knowing that it wasn't that your trucks wasn't moving. You know, it wasn't anything like that. It's further, like, as far as what he's saying with the courses, there's more information to it. You need to be sending trucks to places where they're going to be able to get loads, you know, things like that. So it's like, can you explain a little bit more of those errors that y'all made? Yeah. So the first initial errors we made was negotiating insurance. Mm -hmm. You know, that's probably the most second expensive category of a trucking company is insurance because it's a big liability. You Mm -hmm. have a million dollar coverage general liability, $100,000 cargo just to get started. So, you know, your insurance policy is going to be about $2,000 a month per truck. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't negotiate a good deal. You know, our insurance policy was like 3000 So mm. it was already backwards, right? In terms of negotiating rates, when you have an 18-wheeler, you're kind of making a name for yourself with brokers and shippers, mm-hmm. meaning that 
you're calling them, you're selling them on your value as a, as a, as a trucking company and getting them to buy into the fact that I can pick up a good on time and I can deliver it on time. And if you're not good at selling or negotiating, then you're going to take the short end of the stick, right? Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, I went good at that first. You know what I'm saying? Like, the first rate they'll throw out, I'm like, yeah, we'll run that. I didn't know what my rate per mile was. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know what my cost of doing business was at a rate per mile level. And so I was taking loads that wasn't profitable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we would complete them and do a good job at face value. Mm-hmm. But at the bottom line, we was losing money. Mm. So the biggest thing I had to learn was, you know, knowing my value, my negotiating tactics and understanding the deals you sign. Because, you know, when you start any business, just so much paperwork getting thrown to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just trying to sign it and get your truck and get on the road. Mm-hmm. Well, some of those deals tend to be bad. Mm. Yeah. Feel and uh, just to add to that, I think one of the biggest things and mistakes I made was buying my first truck. Mm-hmm. When you buy your truck, number one, it's hard to exit. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's a depreciating asset. By the time you, you know, run up hundreds of thousands of miles on it, either the motor going to blow mm-hmm. uh, or it's just hard to sell. And so, you know, I have issues where my truck will break down in, I'm going to say Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And I'm not from Dallas. So only thing I can do is call somebody who I assume is a mobile mechanic that's responsible enough to repair my equipment and get me back on the road. That person may not be that reliable, right? Mm. They may prouse gouge me because they see my tag say Georgia, mm-hmm. right? They may say, hey, man, it's going to take me a week to get to you. That's a week in revenue I lose. But if I'm leasing it, right, mm-hmm. my downtime is tremendously less, and the company I'm leasing for is responsible for either repairing it or replacing it. Mm. Either way it go, you know, my tire's on the road, so I'm making more money. Mm. So I want to get into that a little bit more, like, you said you, you got your first truck. You bought it brand new or did you like, because you said you, you would have preferred to lease it or like not knowing what you know now. Yeah. 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 So the first one I bought, man, 2010 Freightliner Century. It was 2016 when I got in. So I was six years old. Mm-hmm. Piece of crap. I didn't know what I was buying. It was just a truck. You know, I crock it up at work. So I roll with it. <laughs> you know, simple as that, right? I ain't, That's I ain't real. Do, I ain't do no research on you know, what style equipment I should have to service, what kind of shipper, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of warranty I should. I, I didn't do none of the background work on it. And so it was a bad investment from the terms of a truck. And it's just like, it's not like buying an old car, right? You can buy an old car. And if you're running through the city of Dallas, mm-hmm. keep referring to Dallas, <laughs> then you may be good. But if you're buying an old car that's six or seven years old, and you're talking about driving it back and forth to California, I don't know if that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So it wasn't a good idea to buy an old truck and run it over the road. Mm. What's up, y'all? This your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Gotcha. And now I kind of want to get into the leasing side of it. So, like, uh-huh. 
how do you go about leasing one of these trucks? Like, what type of companies do you go to? How do you do that? And how do you set up that lease to where you can still make money? Sure. I mean, it's like leasing the car. Same requirement, same process. I like the lease from Ryder and Penske because they have service centers every 200 miles across the United States. So if my truck breaks down, then they got a site within 200 miles that they can either repair or trade my truck out in order for me to keep rolling. And in terms of negotiating it, it's based on the term. You know, you have some leases that are one years. You have some leases that extend the six and seven years. You really got to look at your financials and determine, you know, what kind of payment I can absorb, mm-hmm. right? And what kind of longevity I want to have in this business. The longer the term, the lower the payment. The shorter the term, the higher the payment. Gotcha. And if you're just coming to the game, you kind of on the fence, maybe you want a shorter term. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you got some experience and knowledge of the game and you're like, hey, I'm going to do this for the next five years, then, you know, you want to lease for five years, maybe have a two-year walkaway clause. And that's mm-hmm. a clause to say that after two years, if I'm not happy with this business, then uh, I can walk away from the lease and it don't mm-hmm. affect my credit. That's, that's pretty cool. I didn't even yeah. know that was an option. Yeah. That's pretty dope. So typically speaking, what are like the startup costs with leasing versus buying? When you buy, you're normally required to put about 25% down of the truck value. So, you know, truck 60 grand, you do the math and you got to do that every time you buy. Normally when you lease, it's kind of based on your personal and business credit. If, mm-hmm. if you have business credit at that time. And uh, usually it's first and last month payment of the lease term. So it's a lot cheaper mm-hmm. to lease versus to buy. You know, the hurdles to lease in terms of credit requirements are higher. But if you got the credit to do it, it costs less to get in versus leases. You know, you may spend 20 grand to, to buy one truck, right? Because you got mm-hmm. a 30% down payment. But it may only cost you five grand to lease a semi. And so that five grand multiplied times four, you could have bought at least four trucks. Or semis for the financing costs of buying one. Mm. You know, so. Cash flow going crazy. Cash flow going crazy. And you don't make money in trucking until you got three trucks over the road, semis. Mm. So if you get one semi truck, you're not making any money. You better hope you break even your first year. It's not until you get multiple units that you're making money. It's a volume game. Mm. Um, Because if that one unit go down, your cash flow stops. All the truck note, that high insurance I told mm-hmm. you about, the driver that you got to pay for while it sits, all that stays. So mm-hmm. it's a volume game. Mm. And you said something as far as like, I know you said one of the main issues y'all started with was the way you bought the truck. And you explained how you fixed that as far as leasing. Yeah. Like I said, I had done a little bit of homework. Can you talk to him about how you fixed your insurance rate problem? Because I felt like that was really dope. Yeah, yeah. So you can still change insurance providers. Mm-hmm. Right. So really, it was mid-year, about six months into my policy. I switched to another carrier and I just shopped it. Mm-hmm. I, I did a lot of, sh- you know, I recommend anybody in the transportation get at least three quotes from agents. And I do that every year. You know, I got one agent I've been with for the last four years, but every year, you know, mm-hmm. I'm coming with two other quotes. <laughs> <laughs> and so just to, you know, keep him honest, um, mm-hmm. which he's been, but to also you know, be aware of the market because, you know, the insurance and the freight market changes on a yearly basis. Mm. I got you. And then didn't you, uh, now correct me if I'm, I might be wrong, but didn't you start coming together with more like truck owners so yeah. that y'all had a little bit more leverage so we when y'all were coming to them? Power and numbers, man. So mm-hmm. when I first got into business, I started by myself. Mm-hmm. But as I grew into it, I started to meet other trucking entrepreneurs who faced some of the difficulties I faced, who um, didn't have the negotiation power. Right. Mm-hmm. Similar to myself. 
And we started to go to these insurance companies and these factoring companies and negotiate as a group. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of my one or two trucks at the time when I first started, we'll go to them with 30 trucks. Mm-hmm. And so our negotiating power was a lot higher and we'll make sure all 30 of us benefit off the deal. Mm. And so um, it's a volume game and it's a units game. The bigger you get in trucking, the more leverage you have with negotiating anything that kind of impact your business. Mm. That's group economics really at work right there. 100%. So like, did y'all have to get an LLC together or did you just like be like, okay, we got each individual company? No. So we all kept our company separate, Mm -hmm. but we just had one representative, right? So one point person. It was me for factoring. Mm-hmm. And what factoring is, is just to explain that usually shippers and brokers pay net 30 days. Mm-hmm. But as a trucking company, you can't wait 30 days in order to get your money. Mm-hmm. Right. So you pay what's called a factoring. It's an accounts receivable company to take your invoice and they take a percentage of it. It could be anywhere from, you know, one to four percent. And let's just say it's one hundred dollars. They give you, you know, ninety six dollars. And then they keep the $4 when it pays in 30 days. Mm -hmm. So you're able to keep your company rolling instead of taking a shortfall and waiting for 30 days. Mm -hmm. So I was responsible for negotiating the factoring deals, had one partner responsible for insurance. Mm -hmm. And that's how we roll. You know, everybody just took a lead and we all just agreed, gentlemen's handshake, nothing, you know, in writing that, hey, if the deal is right, all of us are going to this factoring company. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. And every time we offer renewal, you know, we're going to get lower. (laughs) <laughs> our rates going to get lower because our business is growing. Exactly, right. Yeah. So as I get more and more volume, I get more and more leverage and I negotiate things down. And that's the biggest hurdle in, in transportation, at least on the asset side, is when you get into business, if you're coming in small, you really don't have no leverage. But if you come in large or with a group, then they can help dictate something. When I listened to that, other I thought that was so dope. That's why I wanted to like really highlight that for a second, because you were just like, all right, cool. I figured out what I did wrong. So I'm going to go ahead and set my business up correctly this time. And then on top of that, now coming from a finance background, I'm going to start to figure out where am I losing money? Of course. And that was one of the first places like in that previous interview I listened to where you were talking about like I was losing money on my insurance. So I grouped with other people so that we could get a better leverage and get a better rate. And then I was losing money on um, my buying the trucks. So that's why I started leasing them. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I just thought that was dope to where you went and you set it up from more of a numbers point of view. Just like, OK, cool. This is where I'm losing money. These are the different factors that I need to change or fix to make my business more successful. Yeah. And now you teach other people how to do the same. Right. Correct. So I don't necessarily uh, do trucking courses, Mm -hmm. but I'm to the point now I invest in trucking companies, Mm -hmm. you know, so I find different characteristics and people who specialize in different things. You know, shout out to the last mile legend, Chris Bright. He's a recent person who kind of joined us and he was already doing his thing in Jacksonville, Florida, and he wanted to maximize it. And I had the knowledge and the contacts in order to amplify it. And we did a joint venture and now we're growing down in Jacksonville, Florida. So that's kind of what I mean. Like my goal right now is just to be, you know, more on the VC side of the business. Mm. I want to find other entrepreneurs in transportation or who have interest in outsourcing and then help them grow their business. Mm. Kelly, man, get my brother Chris on the camera real quick, too. man. We can't (laughs) just give my man a shot. I'm not sure y'all the man with the plan, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's so dope, DeMarco, like the way you continue to grow and stay within your lane within this business. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to go more into your journey, though. So like 
So you started off with the semis and the trucking. Mm-hmm. What was the next step for Metro Max Group? Yep. So I'm going to just line it out. So I uh, started with the semis in 16 and grew that business. And then in 18, I had a big back office and everything. I said, hey, you know, as I keep growing, my net margins are shrinking. Right. My gross revenue is going out, you know, mm-hmm. going crazy. But I'm having to hire more staff and more consultants to pretty much run my business. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, I got to find a way to cut my overhead or at least keep it flat and let my revenue grow so I can see it at the bottom. I decided to use some of my corporate contacts. So in corporate America, I did finance and I worked a lot with people who outsourced in India for different departments. So I reached out to now one of my partners in Metro Max. Uh, name is Um. And uh, we decided to go to India and see if we can train some of the talent in India on some of the back office stuff that we do for our trucking company. Simple stuff. It could be like payroll. Uh, it can be like invoice processing, mm-hmm. you know, things that necessarily didn't require them to interact with external people, only us. Mm. And man, we stayed there for about two to three months, just, you know, finding an office, hiring two people, training them on trucking. You know, what is the interstate? What is the DOT rule? Like, you know, what is Georgia? (laughs) You know, like just the fundamentals of how they can support our business. It was a long journey, man. Like it took a year for us to really perfect it and get them adapted to transportation. Mm -hmm. And once we found out and identified, hey, we up to this point where working for us and they're speaking with drivers, they're speaking with brokers they're negotiating deals and they're doing all this from India. Right. We decided to offer it as a service to other carriers because I knew they suffered from the same problem, right? Mm-hmm. They had a growing business and, you know, the profit margins of a trucking company on average is about 15%, right? Over the road, mm-hmm. right? And you want to be closer to 30 to feel more comfortable, right? If you had 15%, you like, man, I might as well go to the stock market, right? Right. And so we started Metro Max Dispatch. And man, we grew that from the end of 18 to I'm going to just say the beginning of 2020 to 150 trucking trucks that we dispatched from India. Right? Pressure. That's At, tough. From India, bro. And they had no knowledge of how we, you know, do back office support and transportation in the U.S. And we mastered that and deployed that. And from there, man, I kind of went crazy in 2020. It was a pandemic, man. But, you know, I really pandemic. took off in trend. Yeah, it was a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it was a pandemic, man. I started new fleet leasing which is a trailer leasing company. I figured out that a lot of people who get in the truck and they only can afford to get the truck. They couldn't mm-hmm. get the trailers. So we went and purchased trailers, a couple at first, during the pandemic, leased them out, saw it work, and we scaled it up to 100 trailers now that we got on the road right now, right? And um, similar thing, right? We saw that a lot of owner operators need help with paying their drivers, mm-hmm. you know, doing payroll, doing invoice processing. So we started to offer that as a service, Metro Max Solutions. And landed a few contracts last year. Landed one with Amazon. That's Metro Ooh. Max Express. That's uh, 30 box trucks on the road every day. 70 employees over in that division. And, um, you know, we part of Express. That's something me and Chris is doing. We started that with November, maybe. I think it was like November. And now we're up to 25 employees supporting that division. And so now I'm basically just using my back office support team Mm. to support transportation related activities. Mm. And that's why that team has grown equally to my team here, like in Atlanta and Jacksonville. That's so pressure, bro. It's such a gem and a business lesson in that man, because everything you just named, if I'm not mistaken and correct me, I think I just counted like five or six income streams Mm -hmm. all from the same business. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
and all from solving problems in the same industry. That's the key. That was the part that I found like the dopest about it is like you took what you're already doing, what you're doing well, and you just said, okay, cool. If I have this problem, somebody else probably got this problem too. Like if I figured out a way to systemize this and fix it for myself, I can offer this to other people, scale that, and then make a whole lot more money just basically doing the same things as also cutting your overhead. Exactly. That's crazy. Exactly. And I'm saving them money and cutting their overhead, right? Because if I figured out a way to cut mine and I can offer them that same service, you know, the loyalty is there in terms of a customer base. Like, you can follow us on social media. We do no sponsor ads, right? Everything is referral-based. We've just grown organically. And um, it's due to we got a good price point mm. and we offer good service. And the third thing is solving a solution. Anytime you're solving a solution in an in-demand industry, you're going to get business. Mm. Man, I heard that dispatch rate. I said, you charge how much? <laughs> and it's still profitable? What? Yeah. Yeah, it's like man. the average, the industry average for dispatching is like 10%. Yep. And y'all are creating around like six or what? No, we lower than that. We like four now. Man, yeah, killing that, the game. But and that's because you're able to do it because you got outsourcing in India. Exactly. So mm-hmm. the cost of my employees to support it is less so I can charge less. But also volume too, right? Mm-hmm. As I get more and more volumes, mm-hmm. I can drop my rate because I don't got to take everything from one on the operator. I got, you know, a couple hundred more that I'm supporting too. And that numbers add up with volume. And so it's about scalability, man. Like every company I mentioned, as you can see, it kind of grew and it scaled. Mm-hmm. Like I think as entrepreneurs, you know, we don't think about growing businesses. We just think about starting them. Mm-hmm. And we got to think about, yo, how do I grow it? How do I replace myself? How do I provide opportunities? And we talk about generational wealth. You know, generational wealth is scaling. Mm-hmm. It's that business extending when you're not here and it don't extend um, when you're not here, unless you got people behind it. And so I always build my business based on the fact that I don't have to run it. I'm going to make sure that I put things in place so it can run itself. Mm. Actually, I have a question about that. Just for any entrepreneurs that may be listening, are there any tips that you can give as far as how you learn how to hire so well? Because a lot of people do struggle with that. Yeah, like they, If they yeah, do sure, figure man, out I'm that not about to sit here and say a lot of people. Nigga, we struggle with that. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 we do. No, but I meant like even like more than just us too. Like a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with hiring because it's hard to duplicate yourself or to get the system or the, the thing, the task to done. To get the, the same result. The same result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same way that you would have done it, but you not doing it. Right. So- when I first started like hiring managers, honestly, I started in my circle because it was a trust thing, mm-hmm. right? It was like, I just want to bring somebody in I can trust mm-hmm. and I'll teach them transportation or I teach them the business because I've mastered it, right? After I got over the trust hurdle, it became, okay, now I need to hire people that take it to the next level. They already got the experience and things of that nature. I can put them in place and then have the person I trust monitor them. Mm, okay. Right. But either way, I'm out the way. Mm-hmm. Right. And the business is still growing. So I think it's a combination of finding people you can trust initially. But then as it grows, you put in the processes and procedures to monitor the new employees or managers that come in that you don't have that repertoire with. But you do have the system and the processes to monitor them. But you got to let go at some point. And so I always build my businesses like the businesses I name. From the one with Amazon to the trailer mm-hmm. business, I came in with a manager. Mm. They won. He learned it with me. You know what I'm saying? You went through the fire with me. So when it scaled, I know you can handle it because you know everything I know. So I try to start business with a manager versus let me just start it by myself, figure out, and then hire it. You know, I think it's better to have a partner going with it ground up. And sometimes you may not have the money, 
Because sometimes people think like, yo, I can't afford a manager day one. Mm -hmm. You know, give them some equity, man. Find a way to incentivize them long term if they believe in your vision. Mm -hmm. You become a salesman when you got a company. You got to sell people to do business with you, but you also got to sell people to work with you. Mm. Right. And I think anybody who, you know, work with me, it's not working for me. We're partners. I get in there and I move some boxes myself. I'll drive a box truck myself. Mm. It got to get done. <laughs> you know, and that's the mentality my whole team got. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's so powerful what you just mentioned there because people will hear you say that you built these companies, you grew and scale so fast, and they think that you wouldn't need to do any of that stuff anymore. Like, there's no reason for you to, but that's leadership. That's real leadership. When a leader and somebody who just points out and tells everybody what to do is somebody that knows how to get what needs to be done done. I think about it with even like big franchises like fast food industries. Mm -hmm. Before anybody gets a franchise with these people, they got to go to training for like months and learn every single job. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a lesson in it to me, like for entrepreneurs being aware of all the facets of your business. So I kind of want to ask you, like, where do you find balance in that? Like, where do you find balance in not doing all the work, even though you like still want to show that you know how to do it? I think it comes a point like so this is my rule right now. Master it in 90 days and then I'm out of it in 90 days. I'm going to go hard in it. But after 90 days, I know enough about this business to run it from above, right? And I've got a team in place to run it, you know, run it at the ground level. So that's my model. Anything I kind of commit myself to, I go in it for 90 days and I figure it out. I, I work the systems. I help procure the systems and incorporate them and make sure they're efficient. And then from there, I step back and then I focus on growing it, right? That's my approach. Mm. Like it. Love it. Yeah. So now I kind of want to get into the box trucks. Sure. Because that's an industry we haven't spoke about yet, really. What you got? I was going to say just quickly before we get into it, for any listeners that may not be as aware, like because we're kind of jumping different categories. Can you kind of break down box trucks, sprinter vans versus like semi 18 wheelers? Right. Like the difference versus the right. last mile. So, so the last yeah. mile. Yeah. Right. So semi trucks or over the road trucking mm -hmm. also referred to as middle to mile is basically semi trucks that deliver from warehouse to warehouse. And then last mile delivery is delivering from the warehouse to the customer's doorstep. And the person or the vehicles that deliver from the warehouse to the customer doorstep is Sprinter vans, cargo vans, and box trucks. So those are kind of like the two spaces in over-the-road transportation. But a lot of people focus on the semis because they're big, they're expensive, but the last mile space is, is booming. And it's a growing market, and I think a lot of people should pay attention to that versus the semis. What is easier to get into? Definitely last mile. With semis, it's a big capital investment, whereas last miles is probably half the cost, right? And it's more controllable, too. Nobody in here really got CDL licenses, right? Nope. No. So all of us can start a, a last mile delivery company driving box trucks and sprinter vans. But with semis, you ain't got no CDL license, but you want to jump in that space. You can't even move your truck. Mm. You got a business. You can't even run it. Ooh. Now, you don't need a CDL to start an over-the-road semi-truck company. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. 
Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. I don't have one, but my partner did. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? You need to have somebody to. You need to have. Yeah. You need to have somebody who can turn the wheel of a semi if you're gonna go in that space. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, and that may differ from others, but I can stand on that because I do all both of them. And I even heard you give more reasons to go along with that too, as far as like, don't they give you different financing if you have a partner that might have a CDL? Sure. Or they, different things like that. Sure. So if you got a partner that has a CDL, then your insurance rates is lower. Mm-hmm. It's about 20, 30% lower. And that's big. Yeah. You know, that's big on your bottom line. Uh, but, but also, if you got a CDL, somebody you're starting with has a CDL, the driver who you're recruiting, they feel more comfortable because you're more relatable. At that point, you know what it's like to be over the road and to go dock to dock and park at truck stops and deal with roadside issues versus this person. You really never experienced it. And so, you know, it's harder to market yourself when the person you're marketing to know you never experienced it before. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest advantages. Gotcha. Yeah. And I do just want to like get into slightly because I know there's a difference as far as or at least I believe there's a difference. How does it work as far as keeping both of those rolling? Sure. Uh, so I know with the last mile, is it low boards the same way that it is like an 18 wheeler? Like no, with semis or? no, no. So there is low boards for last mile, mm-hmm. but it's not as mature. Like I mentioned, last mile delivery is still a new industry. It's, it's exploded maybe over the last three to five years, mm-hmm. whereas semis, you know, they've been around for 30 to 40 years. So that market is real mature. It's technology around it is marketplaces where you can go online and get loads to support the semis. Mm-hmm. So you can run a semi truck company off the load board. Uh, but last mile delivery, you can't effectively, you know, you can get by, but you can't scale it and make crazy money without a dedicated relationship or a dedicated lane. And what a dedicated lane is, is when you have a partner like Amazon or Walmart or Target or, or Home Depot or Lowe's that you form the relationship with to deliver their products from them to their customer on a consistent basis. I got you. Like, so with the box trucks versus like the Sprinter vans, which ones of these companies are like, do they offer? So like which companies will work with people with box trucks? What is the primary use of those? Sure. So box trucks are normally, you know, big pallet deliveries or products that are 50 pounds or more. Mm. You're going to put that on a box trucks. Usually Sprinter vans, they deal with products that are 50 pounds or less. So, you know, it can be paper for Office Depot, right? Whereas you'll use a, a cargo or Sprinter van for that. But if you're delivering like a refrigerator, right, to a customer, then you want to use a box truck. Yeah. And usually cargo vans, usually they're single drivers, mm-hmm. but box truck can be both. It could be a single driver if they can pick up the product or it could be a, uh, a driver and a helper depending on the size of the item. And I do have one, I guess, one more question about as far as like the box trucks and the Sprinter vans. As far as ones with smaller startup costs, have you ever messed with hot shots before? Like the, you messed with hot shots? Man, honestly, bro, I tried to dispatch them mm-hmm. and it was tragic. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think hot shots is the toughest out of all categories because it's very niche. It's mm-hmm. very niche and it's real relationship based. It's not a low board that you can consistently get freight from. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't really recommend hot shotting mm-hmm. unless you do have a relationship from day one mm-hmm. that you can use. And some people, you know, they hot shot cars, mm-hmm. they hot shot generators. Texas is a big hot shot state, mm-hmm. right? Because they, you know, the oil field, right? They move a lot of things around on the oil field on hot shots. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in Texas, 
yeah, I'm a rock with hot shots in the oil field. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in another state, nah. Real quick, real quick, because I don't think we explained it for anybody. No, not yeah, I was going to go into we that. We said hot shot a lot. <laughs> what is hot shotting? <laughs> hot shotting is when you have a pickup truck and you hook a trailer extension to it. That trailer can be 20 feet to 40 feet. You probably see these dually trucks pulling these lone trailers all over the, the interstate. Big goosenecks. Those mm-hmm. big goosenecks, man. <laughs> and, you know, you throw generators on them. You can throw two cars on them. You can just throw lumber on them. You know, things that you won't necessarily want to put on a box truck or a semi because it's going to cost you too much. Mm-hmm. Right. So you put them on a, a hot shot. Mm. Yeah. And I know what hot shots is. It's a lot more like partial loads than like actually getting a full load. Like you said, multiple cars of having to stop multiple places to make a bunch of different stops to be able to make that money. Definitely. Def- it's so harder to make that money. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody who's successful in hot shots, you know, my hat's off to you because that's definitely a tough industry and one that. Is purely relationship based. Mm. Sure. So, DeMarco, you mentioned having partnerships with these big companies like Amazon, Home mm. Depot, these places. How do you go about getting contracts with these companies? Man, what's crazy is it's, it's online, bro. Like, you know, you got AmazonLogistics.com that you can apply online. And, you know, they have qualification requirements. Mm-hmm. You know, most people think like, hey, I have to know transportation in order to get qualified. Really, that's not the case. Uh, they like to see that you have some kind of leadership experience, that you have good personal credit. You know, I can't trust you to be financial, you know, responsible business wise if you're not responsible personally. And you have to have a certain amount of liquid capital. Uh, Amazon at the time, I think it was only like 30,000 liquid. And then you go through a screening process where you meet with them. My vans and my employees, they, you know, my vans have Amazon and Signal on the side of them. And my employees wear Amazon uniforms. So I'm pretty much an extension or a representation of them. And so they're going to interview you as a potential owner to make sure that they're comfortable with you representing them. And so once you pass that process, you sign a contract and you have a certain amount of days to, you know, get trucks and get people in place in order to go support that contract that you sign. One more thing on that. Usually for over the road, people go the other way where you buy the truck and use the load board and get the freight. With last mile, you don't want to go that way. You want to get the contract first and then go get the assets. Because you don't have the load board like you have for semis. I got you. Got you can't me. just go get the work like that. Can't just go get it like that. That makes yeah. a lot more sense. Yeah. Mm. So with this last mile delivery versus the trucking engine, we were talking about it before our camera, the startup costs. Like yeah. with the semis, we talked about the numbers on those. Like how much more affordable is it to get into this? Yeah. So I think you want to have at least 40K liquid mm. to start a over-the-road semi-truck company. And with last mile, I think you can start with about 15 to 20K mm. liquid. So, like, it's half the cost to start. Man. Yeah. That's major. And it's more controllable. The one thing I did want to ask, it was actually from something that we were talking about earlier on camera as well, is with, with the Amazon deal, why, I guess, explaining the opportunity to some of the people that may not be as aware, mm-hmm. like, why does Amazon give you this? Like, why is Amazon trying to get you to deliver these packages? How does it, it benefit them? They can't just deliver their own packages? No, man. They ain't got the infrastructure yet. So, you know, Amazon is a retail e-commerce giant. Mm-hmm. You know, they started from a virtual presence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in prior years, they had UPS, FedEx, these other vendors delivering their products. Mm-hmm. And now they've take a pivot where they want to control the customer experience from online to the doorstep. The only way you can control that is if you control the equipment that is mm-hmm. transported on. 
So over the last five years, they've, you know, started buying warehouses. They formed deals with small trucking entrepreneurs like myself and started what's called Delivery Service Partner Program. And they've used that program to pretty much, you know, control the delivery of freight to their customers. And, you know, perfect example is Amazon Prime, right? First one that came out with, I can deliver the product to your doorstep uh, next day if you buy it today, right? It's no way they could do that without partnering with small trucking companies in order mm-hmm. to bring those assets in and deliver their products next day. And they can guarantee that because they have a relationship to guarantee that. I got you. Yeah. And now you see everybody doing it. You see Walmart doing it with Walmart mm-hmm. Plus. You see Target, all of these food delivery places. All of that was a spinoff from what the vision they had. And it makes sense, right? If I can get people their product a good quicker, they're going to be loyal to me. Thanks. Right? You know, they're going to use me. I kind of want to ask a question, too, on the liabilities and some of the risks versus a semi versus a box truck, because, you know, you got to deal with DOTD and all of those things. Are they still as strict with the Sprinter vans and the box trucks as they are with the semis? Definitely. Definitely. So you still have your DOT requirements. Um, The insurance requirements are quite similar as well. So from a standpoint of regulation, it's consistent. You know, it's considered a big moving asset that could damage something if it hits, if it has any impact. So that's the requirement. I'll say pros versus cons. I think the biggest pro to semis is you make more money. It's a risk versus reward thing, right? Mm. The higher the risk, the higher the reward. You know, semis are high risk, high reward. Last mile, lower risk, lower reward. So that's, that's what you got to look at when you look at those business models. How much risk I want to take. Mm. I got you. Yeah. So, DeMarco, I kind of want to zoom back out because it was something we were talking about earlier. I think one of y'all had wanted to mention it. How did you get so good at creating systems? Because, like, you mentioned that you started the first business and I, everything that you've been doing is in your wheelhouse. So, like, can you kind of give some people some best practices on that? Man, corporate America, man. I'm going to be honest. Like, I worked in big companies like mm-hmm. Home Depot, NCR, Cox Communication. And I worked in the finance department, so I would go into your business unit and I'll evaluate what you're doing wrong and give you recommendations for things you should do right. Like you should outsource, right? Or you should look into uh, finding a cheaper IT solution because it's costing X amount of dollars. And in doing that research and coming up with recommendations, I started to learn processes and how, you know, no matter how big the company was, if it had systems and processes, it was it was successful. And it was able to grow and scale. And so I took that same learning that mm-hmm. I did, you know, from corporate America. And I just applied it to my small business, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. And that's powerful in itself, too, just because you took it and as almost on the job training for your, you know, future entrepreneurship journey. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so when I jumped into the business, I wasn't worried about like what tools or systems I was going to leverage to make it successful. It was like, I just need to learn about the operations. I, I need to you. learn about the business. Right. And once I learned it, I just applied what I learned from another life. Gotcha. So what's the next phase for you as far as going forward with business? I know you said you're doing the venture capital move. You know, you said it wasn't in existence. Can I look forward to a Sprinter van last mile low board from you? What's going on? <laughs> no, what we so, got coming? So what's crazy, man, is over the last three months, we hired some software developers based out of India. We've just started developing like TMS systems and communication systems around transportation. Mm. So I'm going to really focus on the tech side of logistics Mm -hmm. in the coming years, as well as, like I said, just finding good partners 
to partner with in different cities and, and help grow a trucking presence on the asset side. So that's it, bro. I really look forward to just partnering with other entrepreneurs and uh, teaching them transportation, but also showing them the power of outsourcing. You know, we have a 300 person plan in India over the next uh, 18 months. So we plan on growing that significantly. And, you know, I've started in transportation, but you got to remember my background is finance. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I want to start working with more accountants and people in financial services to help them scale their business offshore. Like if you look at an EY, Ernest & Young, mm -hmm. right, they have a big building here in Atlanta if you're driving through the city, but most of their back office accounting work is done in like the India and Philippines. Usually the people here are just salesmen, mm -hmm. right? And so as an accountant, you can't be, you know, doing all the bookkeeping, but at the same time, procuring customers as well, you need a back office. So I'm starting to work with accountants and digital marketers in, in order to support their back office. Mm -hmm. So the Metro Max conglomerate. Yes, sir. Everywhere. I love it. Yes, sir. So I got one more question for you, DeMarco, my brother. What is your why? What makes you do this? Uh, family, man. I don't come from much. And honestly, I don't want to go back to that. Mm. And so I wake up every day and look at my family and know I got work to do. And the second thing is my parents, they worked the same job for 20, 30 years. And just to see you know, how they look at me in terms of forming my own destiny, coming up with my own ideals, employing my brothers, employing my cousins and my business to help it grow. That what inspires me, bro. Like if I fail, I feel like I failed them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they ain't worked 20, 30 years on somebody else's job for me to fail. You know? That's deep. That's motivation. Yeah, so. Man, I said that was my last one, but I do got <laughs> one more. So this is our last segment of the show, y'all. So we're going to do the last segment of the show. It's called What's on Your Timeline. So we want to ask you what's something you've seen on social media, the internet, anywhere that you thought was important, impactful, funny, whatever, that you just want to speak on. Recently, I'm going to be honest, man. I don't even be looking at timelines. I, I figured, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be, I be working, bro. Um, I would say it's a tough one, bro. <laughs> yeah. We forgot to debrief you, man. Yeah. He had all the trucking answers like that. Well, we had to get <laughs> yeah. you with something. <laughs> that let you know. Yeah, that let you know what my man's be doing. I'll hey, be, I'll be locked in, man. I'll be in my own little bubble. I think what kind of interests me is that during the pandemic, forty percent of black businesses fail, mm. right, or something like that, or like you know, around forty percent of of a black businesses failed or had some kind of hardship, and it was due to the fact that they had a lot of brick and mortar businesses, right, mm -hmm. and so. You know, I think as any entrepreneurs, especially minorities, that we got to embrace a global workforce and we got to embrace an Internet presence for our business. Right. Our business got to be able to, to focus over the Internet and it got to be able to operate outside of our city and sometimes outside of our state or country. Mm. So just because you don't find the talent around you and you feel like you can't afford the talent around you, it's talent in other parts of the world, you know, that I love to support your business. So we got to open our minds to that. Man, that's a message right there, man. DeMarco, all I can say is thank you, my brother. Thank you for coming on the show. This has been an amazing episode, blessing our people with these gems. I know somebody definitely is going to benefit from all the game you just dropped. So for all our audience, um, can you please let them know like how they can tap in with you? Like, they can follow you on social media. If they want to work with Metro Max, how can they do that? Any services that you offer that they want, just just plug anything that you got, my man. Yeah, sure. So you can definitely check me out on IG, ask DeMarco, LinkedIn, DeMarco Thomas, 
And on both pages, there's links to all the groups that's on the Metro Max group. So you can easily click one of those companies and do an inquiry, man. We'll love to support you, work with you and see how we can do business. That's what we're here to do. Well, y'all go tap in with the good brother. You know, make sure you know you're already on your business and stuff because he already killing it. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> like David said, man, we just really appreciative for you being able to come on to the show today. Like I said, I was really already impressed with your resume before we even got you on. So I'm happy we got to get all that experience and everything out to the audience. And I know somebody, like you said, is going to really get a lot of value from this interview. Can't wait for it. Man. So with that said, y'all, we're going to go into a couple of house cleaning items. As always, y'all, thank y'all for supporting the Black Wolf Renaissance podcast. Y'all, please make sure to leave that rating and review for us, preferably that five-star review, man. We're trying to push this thing all the way to the top. We appreciate all the love and support everybody has been giving us. We're just continuing to grow and level up, and we just want to take y'all along on the journey. If you would like to support the Black Wolf Renaissance podcast, you can buy our book, Manage Your Money Like the 1%. You can join our Patreon where you can get access to exclusive content such as ad-free episodes, unreleased episodes. You get early access to some of the things that we're recording. Uh, it's a lot in the Patreon. You get special discounts, everything. Might even get a special discount on the Academy. We don't, we don't know yet. Or if you just want to do a one-time donation, you can also do that through Anchor. Support the BWR podcast in whichever way you can. Jared, you got anything for my brother? Nah, man. Y'all just keep tapping in with us. Definitely spread the message. Like he said, like, subscribe, make sure that y'all are letting people know about this good information and give us feedback too. my phone is dead. So I can't do my, I, usual I got thing. you, my brother. You I got, got you. I you got, got you. you. Hey, let's got go. You. Look, let's go. So look, we're going to read one of the latest reviews from one of our people. This is Dia Diva. Uh, I don't know if it's DIY Diva. I don't know. Either way, she says she never saw herself as a business owner until she listened to our podcast. This podcast has given me confidence to take myself seriously. I don't know if I will ever get to the level of many of the people that they interview, but I'm willing to try and learn what lane I can be best at. This podcast is so informative and gets me excited about doing more in business. It changes the way you interact with the world, and I love that. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, DIY Diva. We appreciate you. And, yeah, man. Let's fucking go. We love the Wealth Builder community. Y'all make sure y'all leave them ratings and reviews. We're going to shout y'all out. And until next time. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.